0: I find it kind of wild that instructional coaches aren't more widely adopted within our our industry because they are just so effective, right? I had an instructional coach as a novice uh, teacher. I was an instructional coach for many years, and that was one of my favorite positions to serve. And the impact an instructional coach can have is tremendous. The value that he or she can create within their community. Long story short, instructional coaches matter. And today's episode focuses on instructional coaching. My friend, Dr. Nathan Langrad has an has a book, many books on instructional coaching. But today he joins me on the show to talk about his latest, which is called Instructional Coaching Connection. Highly recommend that you check it out. There's six different pathways in terms of uh, building your instructional coaching practice. And today, we're going to have an in-depth conversation around that topic. Hey, it's Danny, and welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers, those leaders who are invested in their continuous growth, challenge the status quo, and are designing the future of school now. And we'll be back after a few short messages from our show's sponsors. <music> Establish your legacy with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Learn from Harvard Business and Education school faculty as you develop the frameworks, skills, and knowledge you need to drive change improvement in your learning community. School leaders know that productive student talk drives student learning but the average teacher talks 75% of class time. Give your students more opportunities to learn in class by monitoring the talk time for teachers and students. Check out TeachFX for yourself and learn about our special partnership options for ruckus makers at teachfx.com BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with organized binder who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at OrganizeBinder.com. All right. Hello, Ruckus Makers. We're here today with Dr. Nathan D. Lang-Rad, who is an educator, speaker, and author. He's the vice president of strategy at Savis Learning Company, Throughout his career, he has served as a teacher, elementary administrator, high school administrator, and university adjunct professor. Like, you have basically, you've done it all, which is super cool. He was the director of elementary curriculum and instruction for Metropolitan Nashville Public Schools, as well as education supervisor at NASA's Johnson Space Center. Also the Chief Education Officer at We Video. Nathan's the author of Everyday Instructional Coaching, The New Art and Science of Teaching Mathematics, co-authored with Dr. Robert Marzano. We Video Everyday, Mathematics Unit Planning in a PLC at Work, The Teachers of Oz, co-authored with Herbie Red, and Boundless Classroom, co-authored with James Witte, and the latest book, Instructional Coaching Connection, which we highly recommend every ruckus maker pick up. His website is drlangrad.com. We'll have that for you in the show notes. And Nathan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Danny. Appreciate you having me on. Pleasure. The pleasure is mine. We've been connected for a while, but I've, you know, I reached out. I said, I want you back. Right. And there's actually not too many people that have been on the show multiple times and you are now a part of an elite. Like I need to figure out the percentage. It's probably like, 1% 1% of my guests or something wow. like that. So, yeah. do feel quite special. Thanks for that. <laughs> Very cool. So, hey, I, I want you to bring us back to your days in Metro Nashville. And at the time, if you correct me anywhere I get get things wrong, but uh, you were the director of curriculum and instruction. And from what I remember in terms of your story, you had to lead three major changes in a single year, which is like almost unbelievable to think about right maybe looking back on it but can you tell us that story like what were those what were those changes and
1: how'd you approach that in one year yeah, it's kind of crazy because you know in education we always say that you know just just one change is going to take you know, several iterations and probably years to actually implement you know completely. But the way it kind of fell, I was you know of course in the state of Tennessee at the time, and there was a new set of standards. Um, there was a which. Also with the new set of standards comes a new assessment. So you have that happening. And then also the state had decided to have a new kind of evaluation system for teachers as well. So we had three major changes and then it probably... There's other micro changes within those three major changes as well. You have new scope and sequences that have to be developed. you have new curriculum that has to be aligned. And so a lot so really three major changes which which probably results in lots of many you know micro changes as well. And uh, we, I always say that those changes could not have happened successfully or effectively without the help of the instructional coaches that I worked alongside. And so um, we had coaches in every single school building, and the, the principals were gracious enough to allow coaches to come to our professional development building. And we worked on... Scope and sequence documents. We worked on all the supports necessary and needed for teachers to be able to implement all these changes in the classroom. And so really it was a story of, um, yes, a lot of work that got done and a lot of change that happened, but um, the the stars and the hero of the story were the instructional coaches that I had the opportunity to work alongside of. Uh, So it was a, a big year, but a lot of wonderful work happened, and so very proud of the the work and the coaches that I had the opportunity to work alongside of right when you when you think of
0: all that work that you put in there and reflect on like how it happened and, and how it happened effectively, you know what, what do you think is like number one
1: insight maybe you had from that experience? I think that you know coaches especially instructional coaches they are such masters of their craft they have so much knowledge and so much expertise, and, and so much is, is required of coaches. I think uh, there's a lot of pressure put on a coach to know things at the jump of a hat. And so I think mm-hmm. the, the work allowed coaches to really be very transparent about their practice and about their work. And I think um, it required us to really just be very authentic about what we believe about education, um, how we can best support teachers And so that was a big part of, I think, this work was being able to kind of have a a very authentic, raw experience about what best practice looks like, what best practices in teaching and learning and collaboration look like. Mm -hmm.
0: And how do you think you get to that level of authenticity? Authenticity is something that I, I really think a lot about myself, uh, I can I can actually celebrate a milestone with you right now Network. live. Uh, I found out this morning, I asked my lawyer, I said, have we got the trademark yet? And so anyways, in my latest book, uh, I talk about this framework for professional development. I call it the ABCs of powerful professional development. Uh, the A stands for authenticity, B, belonging, C for challenge. So when people say those words, like my spidey sense goes off and I'm like, okay, tell me more. Because I'm always very, very interested in that stuff. So, you know, what were the conditions or like how did you set up that space so you could have the authentic conversation about,
1: you know, real learning and, and what you wanted to discuss? Yeah, a great question. And I'm glad that you you mentioned that because I don't want authenticity to become, I think, probably a buzzword or a cliche. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, here we go again. We're talking about authenticity. <laughs> so um, maybe I should use a different word. Maybe sincerity is a, a better word. But yeah. um, I, I do think that you have to have a, a culture for it. I think you have to have buy-in and everyone who comes to the table You know, agrees that, hey, we are going to, um, have to be able to share at a level and be, be vulnerable and be able to be kind of honest about where we are. And I think you have to have a a safe place for that. And so, you know, many times we worked in very small groups and we kind of, we scaffolded or not scaffolded, we staggered the schedule so coaches could come in at different times, be able to do the work. And so within those smaller groups, we were able to develop kind of um the the culture for having more transparent conversations and so working at those kind of smaller groups did allow us to have um more visibility i think and and have more vulnerability and authenticity so i think it really does have to do with the the culture and the expectations that you set in the very beginning about how we're going to work together
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense and then that group size you know Sometimes it's almost an afterthought, but that's a key ingredient, too, and just in terms of, like, how people interact and whatever. So I, I see a thread throughout your work. And, uh, you know, even this story had to do with instructional coaches. Yeah. And I, I'm just curious, like, what's the what's the passion there? You know, because you seem to speak on this topic and provide a lot of great resources and training there. And I'm just curious. Yeah. Why, why instructional coaching?
1: You know, coaching is fascinating to me. I, you know, when when coaches first started to become, uh, you know, prevalent in the school system, there was still a lot of ambiguity about what a coach does. Like, what is the role of a coach? And, sure. and you know, a lot of times they just... Represented master teachers, and many of them are still today, and and uh, still are considered, you know, very much masters of their craft. But I think I was fascinated by the impact that coaches could make in a building because this coach is not an administrator, they're not an evaluator. Um, they also typically wouldn't have a classroom of students, so they they weren't bound to the typical either you know seven period a day in a high school or an elementary school where they had students transitioning into a class or maybe a self-contained classroom. So they had this kind of opportunity to be able to support teachers across the building. And and I, I think that just being able to partner alongside a teacher and say, hey, you know what? I support you. I've been where you've been before. I know what it's like. I know it's a relentless job. I also know um, it can be the most rewarding job. And I'm here to support you and partner alongside of you. I think this is something just really amazing about that posture that a coach can uh, take with their school building. And I think, too, just because on a personal level, I saw the... The amazing and remarkable work that was done by a group of coaches. So I think because of that, that personal experience, it definitely kind of put on my radar, hey, this is a really important role and a very important position. We have to make sure we are doing our very best to support coaches.
0: Yeah. You know, as a novice teacher, I had an instructional coach in my reading classroom and she was invaluable, right? Because I, I had great training uh, preparing me, but you still have so much to learn and, and uh seeing somebody who has years of putting in the reps and experience to say, Danny, like try it this way. And it's like, wow, look how effective that is. So, so happy to have that experience. And one of my favorite roles myself was as an instructional coach too. And everybody has different models, but at the time, I taught two classes, and the rest of the time I supported, you know, teachers. But that was a, a really fun role for me because all the ways I asked them to stretch themselves, I was doing in my class also, and I would invite them come observe me and give me feedback and critique my teaching because I'm I'm learning just like you, right? So uh, you know, those are some things that worked for me. All right, enough about me. This is about Dr. Nathan, and I really. <laughs> I really encourage everybody pick pick up your book, instructional coaching connection. Go get that uh, today anywhere that books are available. And uh, Nathan, you know, there's six pathways I believe in your book. And can you just give us an overview of what those six pathways are?
1: Yeah, I'll kind of back up to you and explain the the title of instructional coaching connection. I made the the kind of comparison or analogy to the um, the connectome, which is a, a kind of a map of all the neural pathways in the brain. And so when you think about coach and all the the many different facets of the school building and the classroom that a coach supports, it really did remind me of this connectome and, so, and the connections that coaches make on a daily basis. And, and it's not necessarily just the connection around the relationship. There's a lot of... Mm-hmm. Uh, already work and writing around the relationships that coaches have, and and I do talk about that in the book. Um, but there's a there's a deeper level and kind of a more structured uh, pathway that coaches can operate inside of to make sure that they are supporting teachers. But yes, relationships are are definitely the kind of the cornerstone of successful coaching. So a few of the pathways in the instructional coaching kind of connectome. One is really that leadership. And even though a coach might not be a, a principal by title, which we're right. glad they're not because uh, that puts the coach in a different light, um, they they do have to model what good leadership practices are. So that sometimes you have to be a change agent. Sometimes you have to be a listener. Um, sometimes you have to have a, a wealth of knowledge and experience. And sometimes you just get to ask questions. And so you kind of operate inside of this, you know, ebb and flow of becoming a listener or providing advice, but no matter what you are partnering alongside the teacher um, and you're creating this environment where a teacher can feel comfortable, much like you had said earlier on about you asking a coach to model alongside of you or provide feedback and critiques. That's a, yeah, that's a hard place you know, to be initially. You have to really get to a place where you feel very comfortable kind of being vulnerable as a teacher and being okay with, Hey, you know what? I don't have all the answers. I don't know all the strategies. Um, but I, I would like, love to learn from someone who has had experience um, in pedagogy and is kind of master of their craft. So um, I think that's very important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, before I want to get into the leadership pathway, and, and that was an important point, too. You know, it's not just having the title, like, you're a leader, if you choose to show up and create more value, you know, for your organization, I believe you're a leader and you're making uh, change happen, but would you riff a little bit more on relationships? Because that is such a key, key component. And when you riff, maybe like, when you, when you think about it, uh, is there like a go-to strategy that you might use or, you know, you are a doctor. So what would you prescribe that, you know, what what would
1: you prescribe that we do? You know, I think one of the most important parts of this relationship building between a coach and a teacher is that the teacher understands, um, and also that there's a, a mutual understanding between the coach and the teacher, that no one needs to be fixed, and no one's, no one's job is to come in and tell you what to do or how to run your classroom. It really is about kind of um, striving to be yourself. And the coach, you know, building this kind of environment where the teacher remembers why they got into teaching and Mm. taps into that passion of the passion around learning, the passion to help students grow and evolve and learn and think and ask questions. And so that really is, I think, one of the the best parts of being a coach is that cheerleading kind of mindset of, hey, you know what? I I celebrate you. I'm here for you. Um, This is all about your experience and Um, striving to be more yourself and loyal to yourself and tapping into that confidence. And as a coach, I'm here to support and cheer you on. So I think it takes that kind of level of understanding and mutual understanding between a teacher and a coach.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. Cool. Well, uh, Nathan, you know, I love our conversation. We're going to get in some messages from our sponsors really quick. And then when we come back, I do want to talk about that leadership pathway. Learn how to successfully navigate change, shape, your school success. And empower your teams with Harvard Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Get online PD that fits your schedule. Courses include Leading Change, Leading School Strategy and Innovation, Leading People, and Leading Learning. You could apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. School leaders know that productive student talk drives student learning, but the average teacher, get this, talks 75% of class time. Give your students more opportunities to learn in class by monitoring their talk time. And you can check this out. Check out TeachFX at teachfx.com slash BLBS. And then today's show is also sponsored by Organized Binder, a program which gives students daily exposure to goal setting, reflective learning, time and task management, study strategies, organizational skills and more. Organized Binder has a color-coded system which is implemented by the teacher through parallel process with students helping them create a predictable independent classroom routine you can learn more and improve your students executive functioning at organizedbinder.com <music> And we are back here. We never left, but here we are with Dr. Nathan Langrad. And he has a book um, that is really powerful called Instructional Coaching Connection. Uh, we definitely want Ruckus Makers to pick that up. And we were just talking relationships before the uh, sponsor break. And I, I said, uh, you know, I'd love, obviously, this is better leaders, better schools. You have in your framework this pathway Uh, a pathway of leadership. Um, And so could you expound on that a bit more and what people will find in your book when they pick it up? Yeah, you you
1: know, as a coach, there's a wonderful opportunity to pick up a lot of expertise as you're going from classroom to classroom. And so one of the great kind of leadership responsibilities is being able to provide some context for teachers. And so uh, not that we want teachers to be like other teachers. We want them to be exactly themselves and who they are. But um, being able to say here, here's kind of as a school, here's what we believe and here's as a community uh, of learners here's what we here are kind of agreed upon norms and our commitments that we're going to make to our students and being able to to have kind of that context as a guide. And so that's really important for a coach as a leader to make sure that they are always kind of creating that context and being able to point back to what is that North Star, what is that compass that we have embodied as a community of learners. Yeah, absolutely.
0: No, uh, there's there's a quote that basically talks about you know if if one does not know to which port one is sailing then no wind is favorable and i think that's from seneca the stoic philosopher but those norms and agreements right like that centers us you know it's that compass as you're talking about and uh without it you know you're going somewhere but are you going to be happy with where you end up do you have any do you have any advice in terms of instructional coaches cuz it's a mm, Holding peers almost accountable to agreements and norms that are co-authored, that's not necessarily comfortable and easy for everybody, right? So what would you say to the ruckus maker listening, whether they're a principal or instructional coach, and they need to say, well, hey, Nathan, you know, we agreed on this. Like,
1: How do you approach that? I think it really starts from the very beginning, just in very open, not honest conversation about what our expectations are for the year, and let's say, you know, coaches either coming into a building brand new or uh, maybe they've been into a building, you know, 20 to 30 years, they have uh, new teachers joining the team. And so I think it's always important just to have that initial conversation about what do you hope to get from a coaching uh, teacher kind of relationship? And it almost always goes back to some kind of of um, growth and I think as educators, we all agree that we have to be able to agree upon how we're going to work together if we're able to grow and be successful together. Um, you know, there's always, there's a statement about communication and there's no such thing as over-communicating. And I think the same goes with these, these norms and these agreed upon shared practices that we are very direct and kind of explicit about here's exactly what I'm hoping to get from this relationship. Here's exactly what I'm hoping to get um, from this coach-teacher partnership. And uh, I think if we don't have those norms and those agreed upon practices from the very beginning, it can seem just kind of like a, a haphazard way of, of working. And um, right. it's really important that we're able to always circle back around to what we agreed to, to do together as a team.
0: Yes. And, and talk to us also about, you know, the pathway to emotional intelligence. That's another concept that I'm really, you know, focused on. And I've worked hard over the years to grow my own emotional intelligence and self-awareness and that kind of thing. But in the context of your book, you know, what what is something practical you can offer the ruckus maker listening and watching in terms of emotional intelligence?
1: Yeah. You know, what I can say is that you have to be very kind of in tune with making sure that you're responsible for your own actions, mood, and behaviors. And I think sometimes, you know, as a coach, we might bring our team together and let's just say someone on the team is not having the best day and, and maybe they seem kind of cranky and, you know, everyone has a bad day. Uh, everyone maybe experiences a, a low mood. And I think uh, sometimes we, um, as humans, we maybe because of our empathy, we want to take responsibility for someone else's behavior or mood. And so we might change the way that we um, had anticipated kind of running the meeting based on one person's behavior. And I think we have to be really careful about making sure mm. we're responsible for our behavior and our mood and making sure that the other person is responsible for their behavior and that we're not taking that on unnecessarily. Mm. But at the same time, we, we are compassionate. Uh, we understand what it's like. Uh, again, to we've been you know, as a coach and a leader, we've been in the classroom. We've been a teacher. We understand the challenges, and we also understand that there's lots of other things happening in uh, in a day um, outside of school that could be uh, a challenge for a teacher. So I think having compassion um, and also asking questions, I think, is a, another good a sign of someone who's emotionally uh, mature and intelligent, they're able to not make assumptions and just because someone may be behaving in a certain way, to not take it personally and say, oh, this is an assumption I'm making based on what's happening there. So I think always asking questions is uh, a good practice to really get to a place where we can offer someone um, support and sometimes that support isn't going to be a solution. Sometimes someone just wants to be heard. Uh, Someone maybe they want empathy. And one of the things I write about in the book is asking the question, do you want empathy or do you want a solution? Uh, Or maybe it's both. Maybe they want both. And I I think it's it's good to get in that place of asking questions, showing compassion and being responsible for your own behavior. I
0: love that question so much too, because as a leader, it helps you really frame like, what's the purpose of this discussion, right? Because I'm always trying to go into uh, solving problem mode and I don't know if you can relate, but even in my, you know, personal relationship with my partner, like I tend to do that yeah. and she'll be like, dude, just listen. <laughs> I don't need the problem solved. I yeah. need somebody to, to listen to me and that's somebody's you. So thank you. Thank you for highlighting that out. Now, before um, I get to the last few questions, I ask all my guests, uh, like I said, you know, we we recommend that everybody picks up uh, the Instructional Coaching Connection, Building Relationships to Better Support Teachers. What was your your favorite part of the book? You know, this is the last call, like, ruckus maker, here's why to go get it.
1: Yeah, I think it was being able to step back, you know, after writing the book and being able to think through all these different pathways. Through coaches operate to help and support teachers? I think just stepping back and just looking at this, the, the magnitude of impact that a coach has and telling the stories I was able to, mm-hmm. to share for a personal level or, or other stories that I've just, um, up a, along the way working with coaches. It's just, it's amazing the, the level of, of um, impact that a coach has. And even if it's just working with a few classrooms or maybe one or two teachers, um, the impact goes a long ways because every teacher is going to have probably anywhere from 25 to 150 students. And so uh, a coach does have tremendous impact. And I think that was probably the most um you know, exciting kind
0: of reflection from writing the book. Yeah, I love to tell leaders I support. I help powerful people remember how powerful they are. And I think you're saying that in just a different way, right? You have tremendous impact in value. So thank you for uh, your contribution to our field and, and for the book. And like I said, go pick up Instructional Coaching Connections. So Nathan, now if you could put on all school marquees around the world a message for a single day, what would your message be?
1: I think it would be always strive to become yourself. And I talked a little bit about that earlier, but uh, notice I didn't say become a better you or a better version of yourself because I think that sometimes uh, incorrectly makes it like a deficit model. So uh, I like Mm -hmm. to say always strive to become yourself. Uh, And that really gets you to a place where you are daily thinking at a very introspective level and a very deep level about um, who you are, what you value.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And now you are building your dream school. You're not limited by any resources. Your only limitation is your imagination. So how would Nathan build his dream school? What would be the
1: three guiding principles? I would say a school should be developed around critical thinking because initially our schools were not designed um, to promote those skills. It was really designed for productivity and scalability. So I think Designing a school around how to teach students to be critical thinkers is definitely one uh, major principle. The other would be teaching students to question everything, including what the teachers say. I think we should be developing healthy, skeptical learners. And then also independence of mind, teaching students to think independently, having the confidence to believe in themselves, uh, to ask those questions and search for answers.
0: I'm pretty sure you're describing a school perfect for developing the next generation of ruckus makers. So I'm really, I approve. That's a wonderful school. Well, Nathan, thanks so much for being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Again, we covered a lot of ground today. Of everything we discussed, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember?
1: I would say... Really listen more and hone in. There's so much going on. There's so much required. I think many times we are asked to respond and give answers and be an expert, but sometimes we just need someone to truly listen. So I would say listen more.
0: Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at com or hit me up on Twitter at alien earbud if the better leaders better schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you you can subscribe leave an honest rating and review or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode extra credit for tagging me on twitter at alien earbud and using the hashtag blbs Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then,
1: class dismissed.